podcast uh we're here to talk about episode eight uh this episode is called hard vacuum and maybe it's called that for how much it sucked katie (laughs) take it away zing what a riff perfect thank you (laughs) i came i came prepared with like one one belter phrase that i had to go but like but now it's it's the moment's gone it's okay what's the the moment was was the moment we can edit this back in I was just gonna say, oh yeah, Oh yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> we could do this like chronologically. We could do this piece by piece, and like not the the whole episode doesn't suck, but this is just like the the Naomi player haters ball is going to be in full swing tonight, folks. Um. <laughs> this fucking shit. Okay. I'll let Katie. How how did you describe it, Katie? What, what was your take on on the the wailing? And lament of Naomi Nagata. Okay, hold on. Let me go back and, and read my notes because I was I did it in a Vyvanse fueled rage. Let me see. That uh, the, my theory is that the show has reached its max allowable characters of like competent, strong, uh, you know, motivated women, and they're just like, uh, well, what do we do now? We we have to have at least like one, like. I don't know, simpering waif this season. So they're like, ah, seems like it should be Naomi, even though like this whole fucking thing revolves around Naomi's essential character. And they're just like, yeah, it's fine. What was, I also, I like the crying one too. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to get into that. Cause like, I don't want this okay. just, like a misogynistic thing. Right. Because I inherently do not believe there's anything wrong with crying, having a lot of feelings about, you know, being forced back into, a situation with your shitty abusive ex and all that stuff. Like, I think like these are all normal feelings to have. It's just how she's written. It's like, that's all she fuck does. Like there's, there is no other character development. Uh, like, did they just get into the writer's room? And there's just a blackboard. It just says crying question mark, question mark, exclamation mark. And like, that's the direction they have for her this whole fucking season. And I'm, I'm just over it. I just want to be like, bitch, get your shit together just do something like cry it out just do what i do put on some old emo you know watch those sad videos purge it all out and then like get shit done but no it's oh god i just mm. okay um dial it back for a second <laughs> well and this is the thing okay so like we, we'll just we'll dig into the naomi plot right now this is a violation of how every corporate review should go where we talk with like a compliment sandwich <laughs> And where it's like, look at this, like, there's a dog turn on one side, and there's some good stuff in this episode. I don't want to get that wrong. There is some good stuff in this. Uh, namely, Drummer is fucking awesome, as per usual. And if you're into urine and bros hanging out, you have the Peaches Amos storyline that you get to hang out. I wanted this moment for Naomi. And I think this is the hard part, too, from about, about criticism, is... I want to try to work as hard as I can to not do like a fan fiction kind of thing where it's like, here's how Naomi should have done things, you know, like that sort of like critique of like what the character should be and, and does. And I oh. want to stick to the character in the show. And I'm, I've, I've been working hard after last night's episode, I think, 
to get to this place of this is not the Naomi from the books. You know, this is Naomi from the TV show. And this is like the weird thing that happens sometimes when you have adaptations that they are both things of omission and they're things of addition. Now, does Naomi wailing for like a good 10 minutes of this episode? Is this an addition that's useful for the show or not? I don't think it is. And, you know, particularly for, for two reasons. One, you know, this is, she's a character in a shit situation. But at the same time, she kind of escaped her abusive ex. Like, this is a, there's there should be some moments of celebration here of like, holy shit, I did the impossible. I flew through space, landed on a ship got my way inside and was like, oh my God, I made it. Like there's no, like you think of like a movie like um, Castaway, you know, like, like we think of like characters in impossible situations. There should be highs and lows within that story arc. And Naomi is just suffering. It's just all suffering. Nothing good really happens to her. And she's freaking out the entire fucking time. I was watching the uh, behind the scenes stuff. Like they did the usual sort of like after show party um, for this episode. And, one of the things I talked about is if you notice Naomi is like um, logging on the wall all the time, she goes into the in-between compartments to mess around with the wires and try to stop the signal from getting out. Mm-hmm. That That is, I think the best part of the Naomi Chetsamota um, like storyline where she kind of like buckles down and does what she needs to do. Naomi is a fucking badass belter though. Like, of all the people in this entire universe that's going to be like, I'm going to shut the fuck up. I'm not going to complain because that wastes air and moisture and precious things that I need in this moment. It's fucking Naomi. Here's the thing. Like, Naomi is a human, a person. She's got a lot of range. I mean, like, anyone would, right? The thing is, like, the way that it's written, like, they're her constant helpless mewling is, like, annoying kitten. And it's it's like... Eventually, you're like, it's cute and it's evocative, right? But then you're just like, please shut the fuck up. Like, just shut up. Like, I mean, except I would never say that to a kitten because kittens are pure and good. It's just like, okay, so she she has enough resolve and risk-taking and calculations to time a jump out of an airlock in hard vacuum uh, to get to the, you know, the... the Chetsamoka. And the Chetsamoka, right? Like, this is someone who's just like determined resolved and then she gets in there and just like it's just like just intersperse like that uh that like bit of like will forte and i think you should leave when he's on the plane just going it's like that was their only direction for this like i'm just like yeah of course like you know you're gonna get in there like your hands are fucking swollen and burnt and like there's fluid shifts you can't see like yeah, that's got to be frustrating as shit. I can guarantee you there are more emotional range to like express frustration than fucking crying. Yeah. And like, because again, like crying is fine, but that's all she's done for eight fucking episodes. And I'm just tired of it. Like, yes, give me like, okay, cool. She did the cool thing and she had resolve. And then like, you know, she, she did some like cool hot wiring of like trying to get stuff out. Also cool. But there is so much of just like, we were talking last episode, right? About like, we felt like something got like cut out on the editing floor and like stuff had to be like 40 or something minutes. This episode was 54 minutes. Are you telling me you took out the cool space stuff with like the Razorback and added 10 superfluous minutes of Naomi sobbing and crying? The passion of the Nagata. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just... And that's the thing is, like, I I definitely... Of, of all, like, the characters in, like, the Expanse universe that I'd say, like, I probably identified with the most uh, in the books, you know, at the, the TV series, whatever, it was definitely, like, Naomi because she's sort of understated, but she's definitely competent, smart, driven, uh, himbo appreciator. Like, what's not for me to, like, totally project on? <laughs> and... Again, as someone who also loves to cry and is extremely good at being mopey, even I was like, okay, even with my depression ass, like, I don't cry that much constantly. I at least have more than, like, one emotion. I even have more than one type of cry. Well, and it feels like it feels like her character is sort of, like, constantly being crushed by hope. Like, she's constantly trying to, like, find things, like, on the ship to survive and to persist and then she discovers oh then there's other thing that comes up and um oh there's this like she can't use the connection here to shut off the message she can't do a thing here okay but but nomi does nomi is not a hopeful character that's not who she is she doesn't hope holden hopes yeah um uh, the the softer characters hope naomi is a realist she's a person that's going to be like shit sucks i gotta figure out what i gotta do to make it by Right. Like, this is someone who's incredibly good at surviving and using their skills to get this far in life. Are you saying, like, she saw the face of her child and now she's completely, like, undone? I mean, like, sure, that could happen, but do some better storytelling and directing other than just cry. Like, you you can, writers, directors, you can do more to show a maternal conflict and a deep range of emotions and frustration and anger and outrage and helplessness and you could do it all with more than just crying so that's like my thing is like i don't think there's anything wrong with crying i don't think there's anything wrong with showing like naomi you know in a very delicate situation of not of grappling with her feelings between like needing to get shit done and also wanting to save her son um you know get him out from under the grasp of her relationship with the ex there are so many ways that you could tell the story that just have more of a range and I, yeah, Naomi got a player hater ball. We're just, I'm dead to the nines. And I just, uh, Well, just, I just think that there's so many ways that they could have told the story better of, because like this is structurally, this is her leaving her abusive relationship. She is kind of abandoning her son again. And mm-hmm. like, that's, that's worth grieving over. But at the same time, like, she made it. Like, that's simply it. Like, she is surviving in this moment. Naomi Nagata, once again, managed to get out of a difficult situation through the, her own incredible fortitude. And then she just immediately collapses, like, right after. But I see, in, in the in the show, they're just making it seem like she's gotten out of this, like, begrudgingly. Like, this is somehow, like, not at all what she wanted to do. She's like, God, I guess I'll just float through hard vacuum. <laughs> like, as though, like... I don't know. It's so, it's infuriating because like, we know very clearly the show can write like a range of emotions, reactions, great storytelling with regardless of gender, but especially great at telling, you know, uh, showing us like strong, competent women. And so to see this with Naomi, it's just like, it's just taking a dump right on your chest. Cause like we, we could show you, we can do it better, but we're just not gonna. Did someone get fired? Like, uh, you know, with someone this like, was the exact same. These these last two episodes of the same writer and director. Fire that person. This sucks shit. <laughs> this you're right. It's a hard vacuum because it fucking sucks. <laughs> like Christ, this 
I mean, to be fair, like, this has been going on for longer than the last two episodes. It's been a whole season of, like, of I wonder to... not in the learned helplessness uh, experiments, right? Like, she's just the dog laying down on the electrified floor. Like, it's it's not cute to watch. It's not fun. Well, and this is the thing I'm wondering now, too, is uh, season four was released all in one day. Like, they, they released the whole thing. Everyone watched it over the weekend. And I wonder if they then were like, okay, we're going to do this differently, release this differently. But they, like, filmed it with the same sort of uh, stylistic approach of, like, someone's going to marathon this. Because the rhythms for some of this episode feel a little bit off in terms of what's going on and, like, where we are in the season as an episode. It's just, it's it's really, I, I feel like it's hot cold. Like, we're, like, having like moments of, like, oh, my God, so many things are happening. And then we pause for a second now with this moment and just, like, watch Naomi just get fucking railed by reality for 30 minutes it's this is the thing is like i saw like the 54 minutes i was like okay a lot's probably gonna happen it's gonna get exciting and i was just like when this episode ended i was like are you fucking kidding like that's it you you imagine binging this season right i would stop i would not stop i'd be like i'm so fucking tired of seeing the same character do the same thing with like zero development you know, um, the only good thing I could say about like Naomi this episode is whoever did like the the effects makeup. Oh, yeah, great. Like that was great. That's the only interesting part about anything involving Naomi this whole episode. Perhaps the last two episodes, honestly. I mean, like I'm just I'm just so tired of whatever this is. And like I said, this is definitely not me hating on like emotions and being soft or crying or showing the weight of being raw dog by reality <laughs> constantly, like. I get it, but like, let's look at our current situation, right? Let's look at how 2020 has put us through the ringer. Surprisingly, I did not spend a lot of this time crying. I spent a lot of this time absolutely disassociating um, and getting real weird. So I'm just saying, like, you know, you can be, you can have the challenge of like shit sucking and still have, I don't know, a much more complex way of like dealing with like the constant disappointment and bombardment. And it's just like, none of this. In a season and like a storyline that is very Naomi heavy, it is so it's so disappointing to see them drop the ball this fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Like this could have been an absolutely amazing like you know story development of like for Naomi and like really seeing like what she's capable of. And you kind of get glimpses of that, but it's only sandwiched between five minutes of fucking sobbing. Like it's just like it's it's hard to get through. I don't sympathize with the character. Like it's not even good. Like it's lazy writing. You know, and it's just really disappointing. Uh, Well, and again, for me, I go back to the thing of crying is a is a resource in space. When Mm -hmm. when you're when you're tracking how much air you have left Mm -hmm. and how much you know moisture your body is exuding, um, Mm -hmm. that shit matters. And Naomi, as a belter, I think would have a much harder line in terms of. This is a waste of my energy right now in this moment. I'm not going to yell fuck, 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 no, 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 over and over and over again. I'm just going to shut the fuck up and do what I need to do. And I think that moment we could watch a Naomi that we celebrate in terms of her strength and her resolve and who she like what she is doing and how much she has sacrificed to get to where she is and to survive and keep going. But we spend so much time languishing with her that it feels almost like an indictment of the character. 
it doesn't feel like the they they like her exactly like you you write someone like this because you want like you want to shit all over them right like this isn't a character that you want people to see as you know you know to, to see in a positive light because again like let's look at how bobby is written how drummer is written how fucking clarissa is written who spent more than half of the season on blockers and basically like doped up and like seriously injured. And then like immediately after she like finishes pissing out all and puking out all the blockers, she's just like knows the grindstone. Like, here's what we got to do. I already know. Like, so within like an, ep- like what one episode of her, like barfing shit up, she's like, okay, let's do it. And, but we can't puke even and rally. She puked and rally. Puked and rally. We can't even get one fucking episode for that. For Naomi, one episode that is mostly Naomi, and therefore is mostly her crying. So it's just like I, uh, I, I don't know. I I don't want to like keep harping on it, but it's just it takes a very special kind of like dedication to have source material to draw from um, with such a you know a pretty complex character that you could do a lot of stuff with and just be like, nah. Nah, pass. Well, if she cried more, that'd be that'd be interesting, right? What if? Okay, what what if what if Naomi? But get this, guys. What if she only cried this entire season? And you know, if someone's like, ah, oh, I don't. But they're like, no, no, it's gonna be cool, right? Like, we already have so many strong female characters. What if we had a soft one? And someone's like, I don't think that necessarily means it's just like no, crying and just. You know, I just imagine that whoever was in charge of this just like hammered down any other ideas that were probably halfway decent. Well, let's downshift then to <laughs> the other storylines. Um, okay. I, so, have, I have I something. Yeah, I want please to go ahead. That's not Naomi related. So, as some people who have read the books may be aware, the character of like us fucking nerds. Yeah, uh, the character of drummer is an amalgam of a couple different characters, which makes sense in like TV shows where like you don't want to get bogged down with too many characters. It becomes too hard to follow. It's too split. So you need, you need characters to identify with and lock onto that you feel strongly about, like Naomi Nagata. Like, exactly. <laughs> Who's apparently now an amalgam between, I don't know, a doll that only is stuck on the cry setting and an actual person. I mean, that's not how I would do it, but hey, you know, I'm not a writer who gets paid for this sort of thing. But so Drummer is like a combination of a few. And that makes sense. But when they throw in, like, the other character that she's based on, Michio Pa, as, like, part of her polycule, I'm like, uh, well, now I'm just fucking confused where you're going with that. Right? Like, did you write I thought that was cute. No. I thought that was cute. I, I liked the homage. I was like, oh. When but she I, was like, Michio, I was like, oh, that's cute. It's cute, except that until you it's realize, like, Michio is supposed to be the captain of the Free Navy. Like, Michio is supposed to be drummer. In the books, right? Like, drummer is a combination of both, like, drummer and, I think, a little bit of sand. You know, she's a, she's a very cute pop. brunette that's, like, very, like, kind of mousy and nice. Right, but it's just so weird to see that. You're like, well, this character is based on two really strong characters, but we're just going to throw her in to be part of, like, a cute little polycule character instead of, like, the source of this. <laughs> so it's just, like, weird. It's like, did you run out of names? Because I'm pretty I, th- sure- I view it as a cute homage. While we're here on the the drummer storyline, speaking of like emotional reactions that I appreciated, oh my god, Kara G and this is like awesome. She learns about the potential death of like one of her best friends, and you know I think 
it's always been sort of unclear whether or not she and Naomi actually had like a romantic thing. I think it was sort of like hinted at, um, but never like fully like gone there. I loved her reaction of just like screaming and being angry. And I'm curious to see where that storyline goes. If she keeps reaching for the bottle because she's just lost like Ashford and now she's lost Naomi and drummer is the character that I just appreciate so much of her, her reactions right now and what she's doing. And I cannot wait for her to like rubber band and snap back and fucking unleash holy hell on Marco and Aros. I don't know what technology or like cultural developments happened, but I can appreciate the belt for being, uh, you know, forerunners and trailblazers in what is actually very cool makeup. Uh, this is the first time I've seen drummers very like it's not even smoky eye; it's just straight up black eye shadow. I finally saw it run. She's like been sleeping in that for like five months. So good job. I I wish I had seen that was that waterproof. Uh, and also Corral's like metallic lipstick. It's been a trend here for a while, but you don't see a lot of people pulling it off. So I'm just kind of glad that someone was just like, you know what? I bet they would still care about makeup in the future if they still care about tattoos. So I appreciate that. Oh, fuck yeah. So I appreciate that it's the duochrome or chrome shift, like a uh, duochromatic type of, of lipstick. And you can totally buy that y'all, but it's kind of hard to find especially to seal it and then talk with it. So, Hey, props to the makeup department. Just a little hat tip there. Say thanks. <laughs> Um, I also love the moment of the crew like bonding. Um, I, I really do love this crew. It's so I thought cute. it was so corny. I was like, I kind of, <laughs> I was like, yeesh, like ah, this is like some lady in the tramp shit. Yeah, they're all they're all about to start making out over all the water. But like, it was weird. Like, I guess I was also really self conscious watching this episode because uh, Drew, my my partner, was over watching with us, and he hasn't watched a lot of it. And so I was like, oh, I need to watch this. Are you are you okay? Like, would you be okay with potential spoilers if you got to do it? He's like, yeah, sure. And I think like by the end of the episode, I'm like, I'm sorry. It's usually much better than this. It's <laughs> <laughs> like having to apologize for it because like, I was like, I really want you to watch this one day with me and nerd out. And then I feel like I'm like, well, I think I've just shat all over that possibility. <laughs> <laughs> does, does she cry all the time or just? Like, I swear. I know it's I know it's a cool, a cool thing set in space. There's like this ring gate, and I swear there's usually more interesting stuff that happens in like 30 minutes of this one character crying. Other interesting things that the, we get a little bit of the Alex Bobby storyline, and which is sort of now the Holden also storyline. Alex is coming to pick up Naomi. It's fine. It we're just moving pieces on the chessboard, as it were. It's not really doing that much for me or anyone really um i think the other like significantly meaty part of this episode is the avasarala storyline i think that's the other like major piece of the show that i did appreciate but it's also for me really unnervingly about real life one of the things i i hated that speech that was the the new secretary general gave because that speech is so evil and it's so typically American mm-hmm. of, oh, we, we are motivated by our compassion and our empathy. And that's where we're going to fucking kill people. And it's just, it reminded me so much of Barack Obama's 2009 uh, Nobel Prize uh, acceptance speech, where he is like uh, praising peace and then just like effortlessly segues into praising war as a means to achieve that yeah. peace. And this just like was so unnervingly reminiscent of that that it just 
sent chills down my spine. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it definitely harkens back to the unique American brand of cognitive dissonance. And then, of course, like the, you know, behind closed doors talk about like, genocide's okay, right? Like, that's fine. Just massive genocide. Like, we could just do that, right? Like, they totally deserve it. Yeah. Well, they're talking like drone strikes. It's like no different than yeah. like, thinking like, well, how are we going to, uh, we'll hit Afghanistan. Um there's a lot of people there, but they support the Taliban. So, yeah, Oops. like, I this episode made me feel uh, so annoyed that, like, Marco's character feels very snidely whiplash in terms of, like, twirling his mustache in terms of how evil he is. Mm-hmm. Because this episode made me feel such deep sympathy for the belts. You have all these people that are being like, and, and not to, again, condone what Marco did. Throwing the meteors is is definitely, there's a significant cost of lives there. But the casual way that everyone's like, well, fucking civilians, so just fuck them. Like, right. That's that. That's where Marco came from. So fuck him. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point, right? Is like that's that was the part of like the um, instigation of like we know you're going to respond, and that's only going to further to radicalize and like push back more. So like you know, basically, it creates a cycle, all of which benefit us in, in, as far as like radicalizing people to our cause. Um, and like the character. I wish the character was written a little better because I... Which, which character? The Admiral or... Marco. Oh, Marco, yeah. Marco. Because in, like, in a lot of, like, what you see him, like, at least, like, his public-facing, like, life, um, he's definitely, like, someone who is definitely, like, arrogant and full of himself and narcissistic, but he's, like, that plus, but still has, like, a good point. Like, the things that he argues for are, like, ones where you're, like, well, you, you know, in this case, you do maybe got to hand it to him and as far as like, the the whole like you know generations of oppression and like what do you do when you've just been ground you know down under someone's or two different nations heels for so long and like i get it and i'm like you yeah, i don't condone the, the methods but like i could totally understand like the like we fucking had it so what do you do with that right um how does that radicalize you, uh, especially when you come from a place that has a bunch of different factions and no, like, really strong leadership? The only strong leadership is sort of, like, the under-the-table, like, you know, terrorist factions. Yeah. So I get it. So I kind of wish that this character was written just a little bit better with a little bit more nuance because I think it's more interesting if you can, like, identify with Marco's message, especially – in times like this where you go and you see this behind closed doors, like the United Nations stuff about like, yeah, well, let's just throw, let's, we could just kill this. Like, it's only 13,000 people. Tops. 13,000 tops. Right. It'll be fine. You know, that way you can kind of almost understand a little bit more and be like, well, maybe he's not totally in the wrong, right? Like you have more doubt. Yeah, you as treat far the as belt like, of life so casually, like fuck you too. Yeah. Right. So that way it's not just such an obvious dichotomy, right? It's, it's more of a gray area than like a good versus bad. And I hate when TV shows do that because like, that's not how real life works. I'm so tired of like the Disney version of like morality. So it'd be more interesting, I think to have a bit more like, you know, like you, you think what Marco is doing is wrong, but like you can also highly sympathize with like what got him to that place and still be a compelling like antagonist. And the best parts of the expanse are, when characters struggle to figure out what is the human way forward here because mm-hmm. that was the thing that was like if you to listen to the dialogue of the secretary general the idea of the human race for him seemed to very clearly exclude belters 
Like mm-hmm. they were not human. The best part, because humans wouldn't do this. Humans wouldn't attack each other like this. These people are animals. And again, reminiscent very much of the war on terror and all those other kind of things. I don't know if that was a purposeful uh, reference I like point. Was. I think it was, but it just was so unnerving to me to mm-hmm. hear those things. And, you know, I, I hope this is a good challenge for Avasarala as it moves forward to kind of like interject a little bit more because she has matured as she's interacted with Belters and I think has a like her character arc. She's grown significantly over the course of the series in terms of like where she was from season one and arguing that Earth comes first and like torturing Belters mm-hmm. and like willing to kill them to this place yeah. now I've seen. There's a whole ecosystem of humanity that that Earth is no longer it's at the center or the root. But it is not the whole tree. That's the thing. That's why I just get so mad. It's like we can see, we can see what it's like when a strong female character is written well and struggles with certain like complex dynamic, you know, emotional turmoil. And guess what? I didn't see Avastrala cry. Weird. <laughs> That's so weird. Weird guys. It's so weird. Hmm. Hmm. Makes you think. Speaking of other strong female characters, uh, Amos <laughs> and. Uh, Clarissa meet up with Eric again, which is a nice little moment where he sort of talks about that. What did you think of? Okay, like <laughs> that speech. Which which one? Because like both Eric and Clarissa give speeches, and I'll be honest, like it, this is one of those things where like the show needed to connect the dots a little bit better for me. Like because Clarissa gives this speech where she's like, "Hey." I'm prison peaches. And the worst thing about prison is the Dementors. And this lady called me a bitch where she said that everyone else was dead and I wasn't. And I was like, I need a little bit of connection to like why this moves Eric as opposed to because her story can serve two purposes. One, she can illustrate to Eric, this is how I survived. And this is like, I'm no longer that person that you think of. Or two, you need to be like me. And ghost now apparently you need to be like me and like move on and abandon these things because your circumstances have changed and maybe it's both but it feels like on one level clarissa's like yo i'm fucking hard too anyway let's go steal my daddy's ship (laughs) (laughs) so it's just i i just (laughs) i mean i was thinking about that i'm like this is such a weird speech because like they go to a lot of effort to point out like this prison is not for anybody. It's not just for like the worst offenders. It's for like modified people on like an extreme end. So it's like this lady killed her five kids. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like in what manner would you have had to kill all of your children to get put into this specific prison? Like, did she like take them all with her giant muscly arm and launch them into like, I don't know the sun. Cause like, I, this isn't like a normal prison for normally fucked up people this is a supreme prison for supremely fucked up people it's a phantom zone on earth yeah so it's just like that's all i can think about is like jesus christ how did she kill these five children (laughs) did she like rate them with her mind like what the anyway that's all i was thinking i did love the cgi and like i really love the sort of like world building of the importance of sea walls in the future where Climate change is mm-hmm. definitely real, and it happened, and the sea level's higher, so... Joe Biden build the Ike Dyke. <laughs> when those things go down, people's lives are lost. And I love... Yeah, it's almost like it happens now, in the not future, but actually in the present, because of an action 
That's uh, Louisiana for you. Oh, um, no, Texas. Oh, sure, yeah, Texas, yeah. Coast. I like the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, all, all the places where you know you're surrounded by. I don't know, tides or water. You know, I think it sounds like if we want to borrow from the expanse and learn from what the story is telling us. Um, we it have sounds to cry like, some more. Well, no, 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 not cry. We need to form a one world government <laughs> that can organize things. And then cry. And then cry some more. Uh, I did love Amos's little thing at the end where he's like, uh, while we're on our way out, um, that tequila, we should you know, grab a couple bottles up as we leave the door. That was a good Amos touch, and the man's consumed a lot of liquids this season, so I get it why he had to pee so badly. <laughs> what's what? What's was, another another couple of bottles of tequila? I actually like like you know, in in the wake of a disaster, this like I was like, oh, are they going to show like you know basically this underground corporation as like still like wanting to serve the community, you know, and basically like becoming this like de facto way to sort of like build this you know sort of uh, stronghold and. In but no, just kidding. He was just uh, hoarding booze, and he's gonna, he's gonna like leave. Like, is his organization yeah. gonna come with him, or is he gonna be like, listen, third in command, uh, you stay here and hold down the fort. I'll be right back. Yeah, you yeah, you stay here. I'm just gonna go get something. I'm gonna take all the tequila for bartering, um, and get some supplies. So brb. And then the other thing that was weird, not weird impactful like the two things are most impactful for me in this episode were well the top three drummer i think is the third one was when uh amos and clarissa see the dead bodies around outside the old folks home i don't think mm-hmm. this was written like when covid was like really kicking off like i'm assuming like everything was already in play and already like rolling downhill as it were by then but that moment a, a bit of unnerving uh touch with real life if that makes sense so just like that experience is like, whoa, like in natural mm-hmm. disasters and crises, what are these people doing? Is there mercy there? Is there not? It's just that was one of the things that just really arrested me in terms of like uh, unnervingly close to real life. Well, it's, I think it's definitely like, you know, and for me, it had like a brief moment of like children of men hat tip mm-hmm. there. So, which is to say, like, and I've talked about this a lot, and I will be the first to admit, like, in these times like we've seen like a dystopian a lot of like novels or tv shows or movies whatever you have you um when those times come everyone likes to think about the indomitable human spirit and the will to live y'all i'm gonna say it right now i'll be the first one to take that fucking suicide pill be like all right well bye this shit sucks <laughs> peace like i i would be the first to do that yeah. because like it's not just about surviving i think a lot of people are like we have to live it's like Quality of life sucks, y'all. Bye. So uh, that reminds me of my favorite post-apocalypse novel. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of it, "On the Road" or sorry, "On the Beach" or yeah, "On the Beach" by Neville Shute. No, it's a post-nuclear war story. I think written in the fifties or sixties, set in Australia, where basically there's a global thermonuclear war um, between like Russia and the United States. And it is like the the radiation clouds are drifting south further and further every day. So the people there is kind of like waiting to die because they don't know if they're ever going to, they don't think they'll survive the radiation clouds when they come down. And that's kind of it. And like one of the last things they do is they stay, they stage a massive drag race where like there's like multiple car accidents and people die and they just don't care. They just keep going. Like it's just, 
it's a very bleak novel, but I, I love it for it's so beautiful and, and scary and I think real. I mean, that's how I said, you know, if I have to go out, I want to be on my own terms. And that is by jumping a race car over the Grand Canyon. We all got to go sometime. Why not do it in, I don't know, a flaming pile of wreckage? Anyway, I got way off track there. It's okay. I've been, I went to a dark place, but hey, Matt, guess what? You didn't cry. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird how that happens. And I'm a very depressed, dark person. So writers, get your fucking shit together. This is inexcusable. Um, so, what's what's coming up next? Next episodes, I, I'm i pretty sure we're going to end season 10 with a confrontation where um, the Martian Navy, spoiler alert for the books, um, I'm pretty sure the end of the, se- the season finale for this season is going to be Duarte taking the Barkeith and just like jettisoning off to Laconia and um, Marco in charge with the orbital gun placements on the the main sphere at the heart of the Medina station. Uh, on Medina station, but also like on the the Oh in the ring space. Ring space, yeah. That seems to be pretty obviously to be where they're gonna end this season. And that means that season six is going to be a lot of dealing with the fallout of Marco. Um so I I really can't I if if they do Laconia, it's gonna have to be a miniseries after the fact i think at this point just look at the pacing they spent so much time this episode with naomi crying i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of valuable You're... time if you want to like actually progress the plot forward any yeah you know that's that's a good argument before i would say like no 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 they would want to get to a place where they could you know conclusively kind of like have something of uh of like sort of like closure but you're right if they're willing to spend <laughs> Half of a 54 long minute like episode on one character crying, uh, then yeah, you're right. The pacing sucks shit. And <laughs> I don't know. I do think that like either it will be at the end of episode nine or at like the very end of episode 10, like toward the end of the resolution, but we will see like the whole thing that happens to Sauveteur's ship. Yes. Um, which is, uh, I, I would like to see it a bit more like. The Arbogast, you just kind of, you kind of have like a little bit of like what happens when those like molecules get ahead of you. But this isn't like the protomolecules. Uh, this is like the, the, the anti-protomolecule creators. Yeah. And I, I do think that was really interesting. The, and the way that they basically describe what it's like to be unmade um, as it's happening to you in real time. So um, I think we'll get that because like. There's nothing like ratcheting up the stakes and being like, oh, this alien technology you thought was scary. Guess what? There's something scarier than that. So. Yeah. Well, and, and the alien technology, like, that is going to be part of the resolution of the actual books. So there's no way they mm-hmm. can't have that resolution yeah. within. Um, I, I don't think so. At least not possible to not have a resolution to those things as well in the if story these, itself. If these writers don't give me the satisfaction that is portraying what a dog would act like in zero g then i'm going to kill myself no um just kidding i'm going to shoot myself that's a credible threat i just said so no i'm just kidding uh no i (laughs) i swear to god if they make bull the pilot i swear to god i I might actually just stop watching (laughs) i think that's a distinct possibility it is and i hate it i'm like oh like the one character who i'm like what if we replaced the heart of the show with a shallow, a, a dull black coal of a man? <laughs> no, I like your description, which is a cantankerous old shit stain. 
Ugh, I hate the belters. Well, wait. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, they could also put Monica on permanently as a member of the crew. Ooh. These are all bad. I'll take Naomi crying for half a season long. I'm really tired shit. of people not being the Rossinanti crew at the Rossinanti stations. It's really, it, <laughs> it's like, that's not right. Stop touching that ship. It's not yours. Get out of here. And I'm trying not to be the insufferable nerd, but this is, I feel like I have a platform to say, like, this is just shitty writing and no one, like, nobody likes these characters, right? You do. You have a, right? you're, part, you're on a podcast, so you have the platform to, to do that. <laughs> I'm right. I'm talking into a microphone. This is how it works. <laughs> Two more episodes. Oh, my God. How much more? Hey, how much more crying do you think we're gonna see before the end? I of really the hope not that many. I hope like we'll get some happy tears with Holden and Naomi coming together. But this is the thing. Fuck. Okay, I was like, I was refreshing myself and <laughs> rereading Nemesis games before this discussion, and like in that storyline, Naomi is so much fucking cooler than she is in the show. Because if you notice, if you're calling the show, I think last episode or two episodes ago, Marco is the one that demonstrates like jealousy towards Holden. And in the mm-hmm. books, she's the one that fucks with him that way. Like, she is yeah. manipulating him back. And she is not manipulating him in the show. And it makes me annoyed because that was fucking smart as shit. And Marco is a dumbass. Like, that's, like, part of his thing is that his reach exceeds his grasp. And he's just so easily goaded because he's so, like, narcissistic and can't see beyond his own gratification. And that's why she can fuck with him and knows how to get under his skin because she, like, sees these these traits. But no, in the show, we only get crying. I'm so tired of crying. I can't believe the show is making me sound like a misogynistic asshole. Like, I don't <laughs> see this, like, Katie, crying. what do you think about The Last Jedi? You're like, oh, it fucking sucks. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker was the best Star Wars film ever. And I don't know what you're doing this when you know I don't like Star Wars or watch it. I don't know how you do this to yourself. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's it's a thing. I don't care about Star Wars. I do care about Naomi crying. Strong opinions on that. Anyway. Uh, so let's do a little bit of our, our closing Belter stuff. So uh, if you notice, folks, at the end of the show, uh, um, Drummer freaks the fuck out and starts screaming Belter swear words at people. And we happen to know what those swear words mean. Oh, do we? Yeah. Pashangwala um, is fucker. And so um, if you notice in the show, Drummer uses a slight variation on that. I believe this one means you motherfucker. Mm. So Pashangwala, fucker. And you can, um, you know, conjugate that and and add some words to it um, to make it a little bit spicier. Yeah, yeah. That's good. These are good things to know. Pashangwala. Yeah, yeah. Pashangwala. Um, also, if you want to, because we're getting close to Valentine's Day, um, it's helpful to know some some affectionate things. So, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Satara Mali is Little Star, which is a common term of endearment in the belt. So, it's kind of like sweetheart or darling. So, uh, so if you like knew someone, you call them your sweetheart, you say, to Satara Mali Mi, which I think is really nice. So, have, use that for your... Loved ones on Valentine's Day, and then they'll push up your glasses for you on your behalf. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Any other things that we want to uh, final words for this episode review? This episode was just I, I and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch the entire season after it's all done, like from start to finish, marathon it, and see if that's a different viewing experience because I do think that 
there might be something here that we're missing, but at the same time, that doesn't excuse the excessive and infantilizing treatment of one of your main characters. All I got is caca falota. <laughs> okay, then, folks, we'll see you back next week. <laughs> <laughs>